I'm thinking to myself, okay, I made it out of the you know financial crisis. I'm now running my own business. I'm not relying on a job, but how can I push that to other people? Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. Your host, Todd Dexheimer. I'm excited to have Tay Sweat. Tay, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. How about yourself, my man? Ah. Uh, Doing excellent, you know. Twenty uh, twenty four, man. We're we're uh, we're rocking it. It's uh, it's the first month, but it feels like it's already been twenty twenty four for a while. So I don't know about <laughs> you, but <laughs> it's we're absolutely. just grinding. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. I get it. I <laughs> love it. So Tay, a little bit about uh, him. It's Sweat for Life is his company, and uh, we're gonna just talk about Tay's journey from launching sweat for life uh to an eight figure successful business all without you know massive funding so tay why don't you give our listeners uh, more about your background and then about your company and and what you're doing today yeah absolutely man um so for me personally my journey starts um maybe 16 years ago and it starts with my health because, uh, you know, I was raised single mom in poverty, which basically meant for the most part, we didn't know much about nutrition or, you know, what to eat, what not to eat. So I'm pretty much eating anything that my mom feeds me because, of course, she's working a lot. So she yeah. she can't keep up with, you know, the healthy stuff. Right. And Just so getting, I ended up getting getting the processed food, right? Absolutely. So I'm doing <laughs> a lot of processed food, a lot of fast food because it's convenient. Mm -hmm. And so I end up getting up to uh, about 320 pounds. Oh, wow. How, and, how tall are you? And and that's exactly where I was going. So right now I'm six three, but then I was about five nine. So oh, wow. it did not look well. Wow. <laughs> uh, so it starts there, and of course with you know being overweight, there's a few other things that come as far as you know health uh, issues, and so I ended up getting type two diabetes. How old? How old were you at this time? So at this time, I'm about 15, 16 years old. Okay. Very young. Okay. Very young. And you got type two about diabetes at that age? Yes, sir. Oh my mm -hmm. gosh. Mm -hmm. wow. Very young age. And, uh, you know, luckily, um, I had the ability or, or the opportunity to see other people in the same situation. And mm -hmm. I, I knew then that I didn't want to go down that road. So I didn't want to be 25, 30 with diabetes for, you know, the past 10 years. Yeah. So that's what kind of led me to start changing. Um, you know, I'm part of the Google generation is what I call it. So, you know, I start Googling, hey, how to lose weight? What should I do? What should I eat? What's the calorie? What's the carb? What's the protein? What's the fat? Mm. And I just start following what I'm, you know, studying on the internet and I end up losing over 120 pounds by the time I turn 18. That's awesome. And so... So everybody around me is saying, oh, my God, you, you know, you look great. You know, what did you do? You got to do it for me. Well, the thing outside of that, you know, the, the I guess you can say the cosmetic part of it is that the diabetes went away from what I was doing. So I no longer had detectable type 2 diabetes, uh, the heart disease, the high blood pressure, all the stuff started to go away. And so that kind of clicked in my head to say, hey, I should probably do this for a living. This is a solution I think a lot of people need. Hmm. And so that was the birth of Sweat for Life. So I decide, hey, you know, 
I'm going to start my personal trainer journey and then I'm going to go get certified in nutrition. And so that's essentially where it all started. So, dude, I mean, that's that's awesome. Congratulations, by the way, for, for changing that part of your life, because we might or we wouldn't be having this conversation today. And who knows? I mean, you know, you're you're leading a very unhealthy life when you're 15, 16, you got type two, like crazy type two diabetes. And I mean, you're just going down a bad path. Right. And so congratulations to you for actually saying, I got to make some sort of change. Cause I think that's, that's gotta be, that's the first step. A lot of people just continue the journey uh, because it's, you know, it's convenient too, right? Right. It's convenient to keep Mm -hmm. eating the way you're eating and, and to keep going the way you're going. And that's just, you know, how it goes, but it's, it's hard to make that change. So I'm, I know with you and being in the industry and coaching people, like that's got, is that one of the bigger challenges? I don't think that would be the biggest challenge is getting people to actually make that change and, and, and make it lasting. Absolutely. Um, a lot of people don't have a big enough why. Mm-hmm. Um, what I mean by that is, if it's for, you know, vanity reasons, hey, I want a six pack of ads for, you know, apps for vacation. And eh, it's not going to be a big enough why because the pizza or whatever, you know, is in front of you currently, it will. Yeah. I'm telling you every time it will beat out the apps every time. <laughs> so for me, I had a bigger why. I had a bigger, you know, reason why I needed to make this happen. The change had to happen. And it was because I feared for my life. I thought, Hey, if I keep down this journey, I will end up like most of the people that I saw who had diabetes for an extended period of time, you know? So uh, I pretty much just looked at it as life and death, you know, it's either I get it together or I could possibly lose my life. And that's one of the biggest things that I focused on when it comes to coaching other people, uh, starting out at least, because of course, you know, I went from uh, coaching in the nutrition world to swinging all the way over to the financial world. And yep. it and we'll get there, but it all tied together and I'll explain how. Interesting. Before we talk about that, because I think that's mm-hmm. intriguing how 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 that ties together. Um mm-hmm. you know this is a podcast that it's it's mostly real estate investors, but it's high performing people, right? It's people that are making you're not you're not listening to this podcast just in, in just because, you know, you, you, you're bored uh, sitting on the couch, right? You're listening to this podcast because you want to learn something. You want to, you want to become better. So we all want to become better. We want you to help us become better. And I think it's so important as a high achieving business owner to take care of your health, but it's also very challenging, right? Because we've got some of the same challenges that your mom had, you had is you're busy. You're running. I've got you know, kids, they're in activities. Uh, we're running all over the place. I mean, yesterday it's like, you know, we barely have time at home to prepare a meal and then eat and we're running out the door and we're running all around. So, and that's a lot of people's life. It's not just mine, by the way, mm-hmm. it's, it's yours too, probably, uh, to this day. So we're always trying to constantly do that. So it's really easy to quick, uh, grab that fast food or to, you know, swing into the gas station after pumping gas and grab something like that's crap. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're thirsty. You don't have any 
you need water. And so you go in and you grab a soda, step, whatever it is. Right. Um, so I think it's so, so important for our, our listeners. Um, my, a huge struggle of mine in the past was the, you know, quote unquote, sweet tooth. And so many people have the sweet tooth. And, and that was a big struggle before I had to quit sugar. But what, like, you know, you talk about the why, but there's, there's gotta be like strategies behind it. Like what is, is, are there things that you do for your clients that really maybe like two or three things that really help kind of change and trigger that mind set so they can shift from eating like crap to slowing down and eating a little bit better. Absolutely. Um, the number one thing that I, you know, focused on, you know, and this is before I retired from the, fi- uh, from the fitness world, the number one thing I, I focused on was digging deeper into not just the why, but digging deeper into the what. And so for me, it's, you know, what are you doing currently, right? So for example, you're saying the sweet tooth, that's everybody's thing. Right. And for me, I actually would lean into it first. And I know it sounds very counterproductive, and but it worked. And so I have always been mm-hmm. on the side that if you have a habit, if yeah. I overdo your habit, I'll make you almost hate it for a while. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you had a sweet tooth, I'll tell you to eat a certain amount of calories. So let's just say, hey, I just want to nibble on, you know, a couple M&Ms or a few, you know, things of candy. I say, no, 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 don't nibble. I need you to eat five, 600 calories of M&Ms, like eat it and enjoy it right there. And then tell me how you feel tomorrow. And so what would happen is they would start to get this negative association with the candy. And so they're thinking, wow, is that what I'm doing to my body? Yes. And this is what's, you know, hindering your performance. This is what's holding you back. This is why you can't sleep. This is why, you know, these things are happening because you're micro dosing it, which could be good for some people, but the micro dose of sugar, in my experience, it was it wasn't good. It added up, yeah. and so I would just have them overdo it. <laughs> and a lot of times, it would work. And so I, I've always done this on either side, whether it's the health or the financial. I'd have you overindulge your habits and hurry you to the point of getting tired of it. Hmm. And and for a lot of people, it really worked. Interesting. Interesting. Well, let's talk about the finance. How does that, how does it tie together? Like Mm -hmm. the financial aspect and and the health. So how does, how does that tie together? Absolutely. So the number one thing that I focused on in business and what pretty much got me to where I am today is finding solutions to problems. That's essentially what I tell any business owner. If you have, you know, goals to want to make more money or be more impactful in life, find a solution to someone's problem. And so while I'm working as a personal trainer, uh, of course, I ended up going online. So I went from in-person, you know, stuck at 80K a year in person, running out of time. And I took it to online where I could work with many people and, and basically almost half the time. Yeah. And so the number one thing that I would get from almost everybody is, Tay, I can't afford organic food. I can't afford the, the fruits and the vegetables that are organic. I need to go more, you know, to the cheaper side. And so I'm noticing ah, we have a problem here. It's a financial issue. People are running into issues with just meeting the bare necessities of, you know, the quality stuff. And so I think, huh, 
let's do a survey. If I was to maybe learn how I could help you on the financial side of things, right? Not as an advisor, but just simply show you what I've been doing personally and what led me to where I am. Would that be, you know, something that would be helpful? And almost 100% of the people say, yes, please, please, please. So I'm thinking, okay. And so by this time, you know, rewind it back just a little. By this time, I'm online. I'm already working with three to 400 people a month at $300 a month. So we're making six figures a month. Uh, things are looking great. And I have all this money that I don't know what to do with because I'm still living my regular lifestyle. You know, I'm not spending more than $5,000 a month, but I have all this money in the bank. And so one of my last in-person clients I worked with, his name was Charlie. He was a billionaire. And so Charlie, he's saying, hey, I need your help. I need you to help me, you know, with the health you know, side of things. And I say, well, Charlie, I'll help you totally free, but in exchange. So maybe it's not free, but in exchange for you teaching me what to do with this extra cash. And so he was in private equity. And so that's where I led, you know, it, it pretty much led me here to the stock market. And so I noticed over the years as I'm working with Charlie that I got better and better at, you know, investing my money and just being able to look at the, the landscape of the financial world and know, you know, some of the places that it could be helpful to place your money. And so that's how I got into that area. And so people are watching me grow because I'm sharing this journey with my, my students. And they're thinking, oh, you have to show us this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's what landed me to the financial side because it just outgrew the, biz, uh, the fitness business. It's the same thing that led you into the fitness business, right? That led you into the financial business. And, and that's mm -hmm. a lot of times the case is people are like, you got to tell me like what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing you do this. Like what's going on here? Absolutely. Um, and, and so you kind of get, you just got to follow the breadcrumbs a lot of times. <laughs> yes. Um, so, so talk to us uh, about, you know, now what you're, what you're doing, what you're focused on with, with helping people. Absolutely. Um, the biggest thing for me is helping people avoid what I personally had to go through um, back in the 2008 crisis. So um, I had to file bankruptcy, mm -hmm. lost my job. Uh, I mean, it was, it was pretty bad. Lost my job, my house, my cars. Um, it was, it was devastating. And I told myself that, one, I will never rely on one job, one stream of income ever again, ever. And number two is that I will know or, or find out at the time, I will find out how to understand what's coming ahead. And of course, now if we look into it, we call those cycles, they're micro market cycles, right? right. And so when I you know, went through this experience before I got out of it, and, you know, became, you know, business owner, you know, millionaire. I'm thinking to myself, okay, I made it out of the, you know, financial crisis. I'm now running my own business. I'm not relying on a job, but how can I push that to other people? Right. And so that's where it ultimately came in. And so when I started mentioning things like the business cycle, the presidential cycle, people had no idea what this stuff was. And that's ultimately what got a lot of people's attention because they were thinking, wait a minute, we can almost, you know, maybe you can't predict, but you can almost predict because history kind of rhymes. We can almost predict when the next crash is going to happen, when the next, you know, uh, recession will hit. And I say, yes, it's all, you know, part of cycles. And so that was the thing that really led people to me and wanted, you know, wanted me to teach more. And so 
I saw that it was helpful. And once again, man, I wanted to create this solution for them. And so we did it, you know, and this was about four or five years ago. Terry, I think a lot of people listen to that. And they're like, okay, he knows the secret. When, when is the, <laughs> when's that going to be? Give me, give me a date. Is it, is it April 22nd? You know, like give me a date, man. <laughs> Uh, what do you, what do you see? What do you see in the future? You know, we're, we're, in, I don't know. We're just in a weird time. And, and I think I say that every year, like, I don't know. It's, yes. we're in a weird time, right? Um, mm -hmm. we got a presidential election coming up. That's going to be interesting. Very interesting. Um, you know, we've got high interest rates and, and it seems like 80 percent at least of the uh talking heads out there say we're going to see a recession in 2024 and the rest of them if it's not 2024 it's 2025 um you know what what are you seeing um i would i would lean to that more so because so for me when it comes to stock trading investing i like charts so the charts and slash the cycles giving me everything i need so what i'm seeing on the charts is Yes, we have a small pullback coming pretty soon. Actually, it's already falling. We need to make one more move up in the stock market, the, the broader market, as far as the S&P 500 goes. Um, but after we make this next move up, I do, I do see a 10, 15% move down. Now, I don't think that will be the big part of it. Interesting. In the market that we currently see now, or in the phase of the market that we currently see now, we are heading into a down period in the business cycle. And so there's an 18.6 year business cycle. And this business cycle is telling us based on history, and this is a, you know, we can go back a hundred years and look through the history of this. Yep. 2027, 2027 is something to look out for. Yep. And so I'll be, I'll be on the lookout. Uh, you know, we're collecting cash now and looking to, you know, maybe pick up some deals in 2027. So that's literally what I'm uh, waiting on because, you know, I'm getting more and more interested in real estate myself. So, so yeah, man, it's, it's definitely something that uh, based on the cycle, we should see as far as the presidential cycle, it's a four-year presidential cycle, everything um, in the, the, election year that we see usually we get a bullish market and yeah. so we've already kind of started that yeah right i do think we need to breathe a little bit and maybe over the next i'd say six months we're going to see new all-time highs s p 500 i'd give you 5200 maybe as high as 56 and uh from there it will look to adjust and i'll be preparing for 2027 <laughs> yeah it uh the presidential cycle always adds a an interesting twist to it right it's it's mm -hmm. it, like you said it it seems it seems like every time it's a everything goes up at that time yes. so it's um mm -hmm. so 2027 we're gonna mark that down we're gonna play this back in you know 2026 2027 we're gonna see if you're right. right um <laughs> i have definitely studied uh you know real estate and um the market in general and that 18.6 you know i've i've certainly heard that uh plenty of times so you know it's you can't exactly time it but we can be prepared for these cycles and and i i don't love the idea of just completely trying to time the market but I do 
think there's a lot of value in understanding these market cycles and being prepared for the market cycles to be able to take advantage of them. Uh, you know, the old quote, when there's blood on the streets, um, mm -hmm. you want to take advantage of that, even if it's your own blood, um, you still want to take advantage <laughs> of it. Uh, do you, do you, what, what's your thought on timing the market? I, I would agree with you, um, you know, to an extent. And the reason why I say to an extent is because I, I play the game of time in the market and yeah. in the stock market. Uh, as far as real estate, I don't like time in the market. I would rather be on the side more of cautious around the times you should expect something, you know, some blood in the streets, right? And so as far as time in the real estate market, I definitely don't play that game. <laughs> I more so lean to, you know, like I said, caution. Maybe I won't leverage. So right now I don't like leverage um, in the real estate market. I want to pull back from leverage, especially in the high interest rate, you know, environment. And so um, I'm pulling back as far as leverage. Um, and, and maybe not paying full cash, but close to full cash on, on a lot of deals that I'm looking at doing. Um, so that's one thing that I look forward to. Number two, I look to cash up a little bit more than normal. So, you know, you do, you know, I think the average is like 30% cash is what most, you know, advisor usually uh, suggests, but maybe I go 50% cash during times like this. Yep. Um, even for me, you know, if I want to hedge the portfolio, maybe I look to, get into certain uh, positions that benefit when the market falls. So, uh, you know, in the stock market world, we call it shorts or maybe some type of inverse ETF, things like that. So if the market actually does what we expect over the next, because in your point, to your point, it never really happens like spot on in 2027. Right. It may go early, you know, 27, late 26, yep. maybe even, you know, spill over into 28. So I definitely think, just being prepared and knowing that this is the potential, the environment, that's pretty much how I look at it. Almost like weather. It, it should rain, but it's not raining now. So I'll just take an umbrella with me, right? That's kind of how I approach it. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I have um, in my stock portfolio sold, uh, well, and actually in my real estate portfolio as well, sold a couple things recently, trying to get a little bit more cash heavy, um, and I might be, I might be a little ahead on my timing, right? I mean, I, maybe, maybe I could hold on for a couple more years. If it's that 2027, I should hold on for at least two more years. Uh, but if it's that 2024, 2025, you know, if it, if it comes early, I made that the right bet. And I think for me, either way, I feel like I made the right bet by having that cash ready to deploy then for that next opportunity, you know, if you, if you don't have any cash to deploy and the opportunity in the stock market, the stock market does take this big dive, like you were saying, or potential big dive, uh, or the real estate market, uh, you, you don't have anything to, to take advantage of. Uh, mm -hmm. so having a good cash position, whether it's your cash or other people's cash is probably a good idea. Absolutely. I agree. Um, how are you, other than that, you mentioned um, the cash. Is there any other ways you're preparing for the next cycle? Like, what are you, what are you doing or advising your clients? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for me personally, uh, I am also a fan of precious metals. So gold, mm. silver, uh, you know, I like to have a big, maybe not as big as some people, but a nice size portion of my portfolio in gold and silver. 
um, definitely just because um, the uncertainty of what we're seeing with uh, the global economy and how yeah. they're almost aiming for the dollar. You know, it, it seems yeah. like we're the target. And so I just want to hedge for, it. you know, if it comes, hey, I, I, I prepare, you know, if it doesn't and the dollar stays as strong as you know, or gets stronger, then great. I have some gold and silver. So uh, that's definitely one of the things I'm looking at. Um, mostly about, just what about crypto. Go, I like crypto. So Bitcoin yeah. is definitely um, on my radar as well. I don't have any right now. And people will say, wait a minute, you don't have any Bitcoin? I am in the camp, just looking at the charts, I am in the camp that this recent news we had on Bitcoin was a, we call it a sell the news event. So basically, majority of investors are expecting this crazy move up after uh, the SEC just, you know, basically approved what nine different uh, ETFs for Bitcoin, spot Bitcoin. And I'm not in the camp that it's going to make it bullish. I'm actually in the camp that they're going to sell the news on that and Bitcoin should fall. Hmm. And so that's when I start buying. <laughs> so um, I have a few price targets that I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm actually in the same camp and I, I guess I didn't uh, think of it exactly like you, but I have some price targets in mind uh, on Bitcoin in general to where I say I'll buy some. Um, now mm -hmm. I'm, I'm skeptical myself um, about the long-term viability, not necessarily of crypto, but of the current crypto that's available in the market, Bitcoin and so on. I'm a little bit skeptical uh, that it's here to stay in its current form, that the, that Bitcoin is not AOL, right? That That's where I'm... Uh, not as bullish to get in and get in heavy as I'm going, is Bitcoin leading the market right now, but going to be a thing of the past in, you know, who knows, a dozen years or whatever it might be. And we're going to have a, a form of a, a government cryptocurrency that you need to have. I I don't know. I'm, I'm not that smart in it. So uh, it's definitely an interesting investing tool um, or, or a, a bet. I would more call it a bet than an investing tool. Would, would you agree? Yes. I would absolutely agree. And I, I'm, I'm in the same camp with you as far as, you know, if it gets here, I'll buy some. And it's and when I say it, people think I'm crazy, but I will not touch Bitcoin until it gets back under $10,000. If it doesn't, they, they'll have to run without me. <laughs> but yeah. that is my price target, $10,000 uh, on Bitcoin. I will start to accumulate from there. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, we, we could play this back in, in another, you know, five, six, 10 years, and you could be completely wrong. And that's okay uh, for me. Uh, and I'm assuming you're good. It's just like, you know what, it, it, that's fine. If if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm not going to yes. pound my chest if I'm right. I'm not going <laughs> to, you know, go crawl in a hole if I'm wrong. It, right. it really doesn't to me. It's, it's probably maybe, maybe it could be life changing, but that's not how I'm looking at it right now. Right. Yeah. No one investment to, to, you know, in my case, no one investment should be a make or break. That's how I look at it. You know, if you have a well-balanced portfolio, Bitcoin should not make you rich or yeah. poor. Right. <laughs> and, and that's, I feel like that's anything personally. Um, so if I get exposure to Bitcoin because it hits my price target, like you said, great. If not, 
I'm okay with that. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm definitely in that camp. Um, when it comes to Bitcoin, to your point, you know, I, I would agree. Um, I'm a little worried that it won't be what we think it is. We, it won't be what we think it is. However, I will say, I do think it will be around for a while only because big money has invested so much. Anytime I see something become a future or, you know, it's now considered a commodity, I, I tend to lean to the, you know, okay, maybe it will be around for a while. They wouldn't go through this trouble, you know, to make Bitcoin futures and spot ETFs and things like that. But I don't know if it will be everything they're saying it will be. So that's, that's what I'm worried about. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So let's pivot a little bit. Success habits. So you've been very successful, both in, in the fitness uh, and health industry and, and now kind of where you're at today. What, what are some of the things that you've done in particular that have made you successful um, that maybe other people struggle with? I mean, it's a great question. Um, I would say the number one thing is letting go of the ego and asking for help. <laughs> asking for help has been a huge thing for me. And I guess the, the next level of that would be is not only asking for help as almost a, a handout, but asking for help saying, hey, what would it take for me to get help from you? You know, coaching, uh, yeah. you know, even going to seminars, things like that. Because just quite honest, you know, what I learned coming up was that people who are successful, they don't care if you make it to their level. Yeah. So, so they don't care yeah. to give it to you for free, yeah. right? <laughs> so... Um, so for me, it was, hey, you're already successful. I want to be there. What do I personally need to do for you so that you're willing to help me? And so yeah. that in itself has been a, a lifesaver. Yeah, I think that is so huge. And, and I'll take it even further is sometimes it's best not to even ask how, what can I do for you, but find out what their problems are mm -hmm. and then offer a solution. So let's just say you and I are having a conversation and, and I tell you, look, Tay, man, I, I, I just struggle with eating sugar and I can't get over, I, I don't know what's going on. And you're going, Hey, in your brain, you're going, I don't, I, I, I want to, I want to learn from Todd. I want to learn how he's doing these multifamily deals. I really want to know what he's doing. That's an easy thing for you to go, Hey man, let's, let's do this. How about we do this? I'm going to get you to your health goal. And in exchange, I just want to know what you do and how, how, you know, create success that way. And that's a, that's a great lead into getting a mentor, right? And I, I tell that to people all the time. Like, look, don't come to me and say, what can I do for you? Come to me and say, I want to do this for you. Yes, Are absolutely. You, you know, and, and, and then look, if somebody's going to help, if you were to say, Hey man, I'll help you get there. And then even, even if you never asked me, you, you would eventually I'd eventually start teaching you some things, right? It's just how <laughs> it goes. It's just, it's just yeah. how it ha like how that goes. So yeah, man, I love that. Let go of your Eagle, ask for help. It's so, so valuable. What's a, what's a failure mistake, uh, something you've done and, uh, and how have you learned from it? Uh, the biggest mistake I would say, um, probably not paying attention to the red flags. 
And what I mean by that, that comes by way of clients that I've worked with. It comes by way, uh, you know, relationships. You know, I had a had a divorce that was a little messy um, and it cost me a million bucks, right? 1.1. And I didn't want to part with that money. But if I would have paid attention to the red flags, you know, initially, I would not have to, you know, I wouldn't have to go through that. So the red flags are something I feel like all of us, we, we get these hints that something yeah. is not right yeah. and we yeah. ignore it. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, we so, want we want something we want something to happen, right? We're we're yes, we're so caught in what it could be that we ignore the the, the red flags, like you say. I think it's that yes. shiny object, like yes. so focused <laughs> on what could happen, what the end result could be, that we just go. I, yeah, I, I know you're telling me, I, you know, I, I hear it. I hear you, but just go away, yes. please. Just go away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, I think we've all been there so many times, so many times. Um, did you say you lost it all in 2008? Mm -hmm. Like, what did you do to pick yourself back up? I always find it so interesting when people go through like a difficult time like that. Like you, you were doing pretty well. Right? And then you lose it all. And, um, you know, and, and now you're successful again. Mm -hmm. and it's easy to, I think, lose it all and just kind of go away. Right. Just crawl in a hole and or barely get by, but you picked yourself back up and, and you built what you built. Like, what I don't know, just take me through some of those, I don't know, maybe emotions or whatever you want to call it or steps, processes, like things you did or motivations, you know, take me through a little bit of that journey. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great question, by the way. So for me personally, I, I always have to let people know that there's going to be a roller coaster of emotions. You first of all, go through the failure stage. I feel like a failure. You're beating yourself yeah. up. You're, you know, you're the victim. It, it just, it, it's not good mentally to sit in that space forever, but get it out of the way. Right? Yeah. yeah. Beat yourself up yeah. for a little while. That's fine. Well, if you're a high but, achiever, naturally, you're just going to feel that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I, I don't, I'm one of those people that I like to say, hey, sit in all of the emotions, right? Feel all of them, but don't stay there. Right. And so I felt those emotions. I, you know, I went ahead and did what I needed to do to get better and move on from those emotions. And then I go to the next phase, which was, okay, plan mode. What, what do we need to do to get out of this situation? And so after I beat myself up and I feel like a failure, I started to unravel things. So whatever my expenses were, I, I wanted to flatline those expenses. So we're no longer eating, you know, eating fast food. We're, we're going to go on a diet and, and that's when I say a diet, it wasn't because I needed to lose weight. That yeah. was just what I needed Survival. to do to survive. Right. Yeah. And so we cut back on you know, certain foods. Um, I actually moved in with my mom for a while. Mm. At the How time old were you? Before she, uh, 22. Okay. 22 at the time. So, okay. you know, a lot of people would say, and I, I'll just have to say this. Some, someone right now is thinking about this. They're, that's not, you know, bad. You're 22. My 22 year old lives with me now. Okay. I'm a different breed. Okay. I'll just be honest with you. For me, moving back in with my mom was the worst. Yeah. It was yeah. the worst. Right. Well, you were already and successful. So that's different though. If you're not, yes. if yes. you, if you're 22 and you live at home, but you've 
you know, you went to college or you never moved out. Like that's not a big deal. Right. But if you're 22 and you had some success already, and then you got to go tuck your tail between your legs and go, Ma, can yes. I move <laughs> back into your house? <laughs> that's different. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, man. So yeah, 20, 22, you move back with mom, keep going. Mm -hmm. So I moved back with mom. And so you had the first phase of beating myself up, you know, woe is me. The planning phase, how much do I need to survive and how much do I need to get out of here? Yeah. And then number three was what I would consider maybe a stoic phase. And so now I'm leaning into all the painful things. I'm leaning into the things that most people don't want to do. And I'm looking in the mirror, basically, at my, you know, quote unquote, crap. I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, okay, you suck here. You suck here. You need to get better at this. You need to get better at that. This is what, this was your fault. And so now I'm just, you know, it's kind of like beating yourself up all over again, but it's more so to say, what happened? What did I not see? Yeah. How did I get blindsided by this? Yeah. And if I can figure that out, then I can figure out what to do to never get back to the situation. And so this is actually something I teach a lot of my people in, you know, in my stock, you know, programs. I say, hey, losing is not losing. It's a lesson. You have to figure out what went wrong and fix it <laughs> so you don't do it yeah. again. Yeah. And so um, after I go through those three steps, I fix my crap. I go do a bunch of credit courses and just kind of learn how to fix my credit, you know, what happens after bankruptcy, seven years, and you know, what I need to do in those seven years. And this is back, I don't know if you know, it's like the trade lines and things were very popular back then. So I'm going through and I'm just building, I'm learning all of this stuff. And, you know, thankfully, um, I got my hand on a few books that, I mean, changed my life. So of course, I think most people in listening to this podcast, you got some smart people here, man. So Rich Dad Poor Dad, I think everybody either has read it twice yeah. <laughs> or at least knows there was someone who read it twice. So that was one of my like game changers. Rich Dad Poor Dad flipped a switch and I never looked back. Love it. Yeah, man. It's uh thanks for taking me through that. That the those kind of three big steps. Um uh, man, I mean hopefully nobody listening is going through it, but you know, if you are, you get through the other end. And I, I've talked to a few people over the last uh, few years that have went through the journey. And it's always, I always love hearing that story. And I feel like a lot of, I feel like everybody kind of, kind of goes through those three. Nobody said it like that. Like you did, you, you put it in a, I think a very easily broken down. Like that was great. How you played that, but everybody goes through the same kind of steps right they, they they have this like woe is me moment yes. and they feel bad mm -hmm. for themselves and all that and then and they go and through the process of healing um kind of like you did so yeah again thanks for that so i got a, a couple last questions before we wrap up so you mentioned rich dad poor dad there's got to be another book what's a, what's a favorite book of yours that you can pass down to our listeners um, I would say Killing Sacred Cows uh, mm. by Garrett Gunderson. I definitely love that book because the traditionalism that we have in our society, we tend to hang on the things that may not you know, work nowadays. And so that was definitely a really solid book as well. Love that. Love that. All right. So last question. 
what, well, maybe not last question, but close to last question. What are your three pillars of wealth creation? Three pillars of wealth creation, man. I, this is something I tell a lot of my people uh, who come by and, and ask me something similar is I look at what all three, uh, or I look at the three things that most rich people have done. Start a business, right? Some type of business usually helps people get rich. Number two, um, once you start that business, use the capital or excuse me, use the income that's coming from that business to invest in real estate and or stocks, some type of equity. And from there, if you haven't done real estate, go into real estate. So those three things for me, I, I look at that as kind of like a bulletproof uh, wealth, um, pillar of wealth. Because if you have all three banging out together, I, I don't think you can lose, to be honest. So you, you've said real estate several times. I find a lot of people that advise people on stocks will not mention real estate. Why, why are you okay with it? Because a lot of people like that. That's like a dirty word. We can't say both at the same time. <laughs> exactly. Why are you okay? Why are you okay talking about something other than, than stocks? <laughs> and and I love that you said that because I noticed, you know, when I, I'm on someone's show, we're doing things, you know, each person may have their thing that they do. I'm yeah. real estate. I don't touch anything else. I'm stocks. I don't touch anything else. Yeah. And I go, no. I think all three, you know, you know, stocks, business, and real estate, they yeah. complement each other. So I pull money out of the stock market and I go buy real estate. Why? Because for me, the paper assets are a little more risky. I like something I can touch, something that's tangible. Yeah. And so for me, I start, you know, with the real estate, or excuse me, with the stock market, and I slowly make my way over to acquiring more and more real estate or more properties, right? And so for me, you can't have one without the other. Yeah. And uh, where I, I just, I don't know. I, I think seeing it over and over has helped me because here where I live in Puerto Rico, uh, one of my neighbors, you know, he owns a hedge fund and I've watched this man take billions of dollars out of the market and go buy thousands of acres mm. <laughs> of land. And I'm thinking to myself, this guy could not have gotten to this point if he did not do both. Yeah. You have to have both. That's just yeah. my, you know, personal. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I'm, I personally am very heavy in real estate and my guess is most of my listeners are too, but I have both and mm -hmm. I firmly agree. I mean, I, I very much with you, you have to have both and I have some precious metals, although I, I don't have as many as I'd like or as much as I would like. I'd like to get a little heavier in that, but look, you can't just have one. And, and the, the thing that drives me nuts is when you have your traditional financial advisor, you know, works for Merrill Lynch or whatever, the, your traditional financial advisor that tells you to diversify, diversify, diversify. And then when somebody, one of my investors goes to them and say, Hey, I, I got this guy, I'm looking at investing in one of his syndications. Um, what do you think? And they go, no, don't think, don't do that. And it's like, yes. wait a second. You tell your client all the time to diversify. <laughs> so uh, anyways. Um, well, what they mean is diversify as long as I get paid. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. As soon as you go with a syndicate deal outside of Merrill Lynch or wherever the, this person works, they don't get their one, 2%. And that's, yeah. that's really it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
What else do you want to tell our listeners? Anything else, whether it's about your business, or, and I'll give you that opportunity as well, but um, you know, anything else, um, advice, anything you want to give to our listeners? Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, you know, I've said it before, but this is something I lean heavy on, and that's let go of the ego, ask for help, find someone who is doing what it is you want to do, right? And just find, you know, kind of like we mentioned here, find out what you could do to make their life better, a solution for yeah. them. And then I almost, you said it, man. I, I think you said it best. If you help me with anything I may need help with, I'm by default going to just, it, it just comes out. I'm going yeah. to help you, yeah. <laughs> right? It yeah. just comes out. So for me, you know, I, I keep leaning on it because the number one thing I see in, in the space online uh, when it comes to coaching or helping or, you know, just giving advice is that people nowadays are too uh, ego driven. They think they know it all, but they don't have the results to back that up. And so let yeah. go of the ego, figure out what you need to do to get to the next level and have someone help you. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's that too much advice has been given of fake it till you make it right. And there's a little bit of that, but it doesn't fake it till you make it doesn't mean have a big ego and, and don't allow other people to help. But I think a lot of times what that ends up leading to is just that you've got yes. people that aren't experienced and they're faking until they're making it. And they're not going to show people that they don't know anything. So they're not going to ask any questions and that's just not, not helpful for anybody. So, Hey, how can our listeners get in touch with you? What, where do they go? Where do they learn more about you? What kind of resources you got for us? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, majority of the time I spend on Instagram. So yeah. Instagram is huge. You can find me at Taysweat, T-A-Y-S-W-E-A-T. Um, if you have any questions, I usually answer my DMs as much as I can, at least. Uh, I have a lot of followers that answer, that go to my DM, but I do my best to answer. And from there, what I've started doing, because some, some people honestly just need to see things in action. So yeah. what I've started doing is uh, allowing people to come into my live trading free, just oh, come check cool. it out, see what, you know, see what we're doing. And that allows me to showcase my skills and say, Hey, I am who I say I am. And you can see it for yourself. So um, just come on by the Instagram and, you know, if you have any questions, I'll, I'll take care. Love it. Again, Tay, really appreciate uh, you coming on the show. Lots of good stuff. And to our listeners, look, look, go back. If you haven't already, had some notes you know hopefully you weren't driving taking notes but um you know pick out one thing that you learned from this and apply it and reach out connect with tay uh, on instagram reach out um you know man attending one of those uh live events that's that's an awesome gift so take advantage of it Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. Your rating review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to venture D 
VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com, and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also, look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.